eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Spoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Urrutia. In today's format, Gabby, I think I just I wanted to do kind of a uh, mailbag type of podcast where we asked our subscribers on InsideTheU.com to ask questions on the message board. And so we are uh, going to answer those questions, the best ones that, that we liked. Um, so it should be should be a fun time. Before we jump into that, though, want to throw a congratulations out there to the Miami men's basketball team for a terrific season. Uh, obviously, Saturday night just ran into a UConn team that, you know, slightly longer deeper team equally as athletic uh defensively kind of gave Miami a lot of issues in terms of disrupting how Miami scores points so um you know i think if if Miami got some breaks they they definitely were talented enough to win that game but UConn is is the better team and so uh but don't want to dwell on that you know i i just want to thank the program for a fun season to follow and um, you know, brought the UM fan base a lot of joy this season, this spring. Um, you know, for me, Gabby, this is, this is the best Miami team and uh, the most fun Miami team I've ever watched. Um, so in terms of basketball, so that it was, it was a fun ride, fun journey. And, you know, hopefully they can keep it rolling. I don't know about final fours, you know, every year, but, uh, again, there's no reason why Miami can't make the tournament way more years than not. Yeah. I think that's the right way to look at it. It's just like, you know, this is a, a basketball team that I think is on the rise. I think that, you know, I think they're putting themselves in a position to, you know, make this team, uh, you know, a, a contender every year. And again, not saying we're going to be, it's going to be final fours or elite eights every year, 
but man, I mean, again, we've talked about Miami being a basketball town. If you can get this thing rolling, uh, how, how, you know, how much better can they really get it even through organic recruiting, you know, through the high schools, you know, just again, leveling up the, the talent top to bottom where, you know, when you run into a really deep and talented team like UConn, you have answers for everything they're throwing at you. And, you know, maybe that's a, you know, a little bit more competitive of a game. And, you know, I mean, it, it was an, it was such a fun run, such a fun time watching this team play. I mean, that's probably the most excited I've been about hurricanes athletics and uh and and probably some i mean probably since that 2017 uh you know football season so you know you know shout out to jim larinaga isaiah wong jordan miller uh nigel pack normat norchad omir just all those guys were doing their thing and you know really getting a program you know like miami to the final four is it's just an incredible feat so uh that was just a glorious glorious time for the miami hurricane fans and uh, shout out to everyone that traveled to houston to watch those guys get after it I mean, what an experience and, you know, sucks. We couldn't, we, we weren't out in Houston for a championship here on Monday, but, uh, you know, it, it was a great time. Yeah. And shout out to the women too, for their season as yeah, well. Definitely. I know we, we touched on that, but I mean, you, one of the big takeaways just for the university as a whole, uh, this goes beyond the athletic department. And this is, this is the reason to have alignment from your president to your athletic director down to the coaches in terms of, hey, we are all in on athletics. We want to win. Our standard is to win. Um, now, again, you're not, the standard isn't final fours, but the standard is to compete um, for the chance to get to, to those final four situations more years than not. And, you know, from a university standpoint, think about the value that both the men's and women's teams uh, those runs gave to the university in terms of free advertisement and awareness about the university. Um, you know, when, when game announcers and sports analysts discuss a basketball team's uh, journey through a tournament, that school receives a wave of of free national advertising um, that you just cannot buy. You know, if, if you are going to put a dollar figure to it, it's probably in the tens of millions of dollars worth of free advertisement. Um, and so, you know, look, these runs are fun to watch from a fan base perspective, but it's also good for the school. And this is why schools value, um, you know, successful athletic programs. And from a football perspective, the best example now because we have set, we have a long tenure and plenty of data to back this up. But look at Alabama football. Alabama football has benefited the university as a whole since the arrival of Nick Saban in 2007. And, you know, look, this, of course, athletics isn't like, pro, isn't even like a top three driver of why uh, a typical student chooses a school. But most students want to be associated with winners, right? And, and athletics does matter in that regard. Again, successful athletic programs, that's free exposure on a national scale for that school. And during Nick Saban's tenure at Alabama, they have gone from being a regional school to a national school that attracts students from all over the country. Um, and the football program, and the way they've raised the awareness of that school has played a big part in that national appeal. I read a stat, Gabby, that said, um, so when Nick Saban arrived, 
Alabama's application. So students that don't get into Alabama, but apply to get into Alabama was at 15,000. And now it's at per year. And now it's at about 50,000 per year. So that allows for, you know, more competitive uh, admissions and, you know, theoretically raises the level of student that can come in, which theoretically, um, you know, gets you students that go on to have more successful careers hypothetically, and then can give back to the school at a higher clip, et cetera, et cetera. So there is value of investing into these athletic programs. And Miami's now, they, you know, top down in terms of understanding the value that athletics brings to a university as a whole. It's not a cheap thing to invest in, but if you invest in it and you give it time to deliver the results, uh, those results can definitely be fruitful for the university. Yeah. And and I think just even for how it even benefits like other sports, like, you know, like Alabama, just using Alabama as an example, like Alabama was not a basketball school, you know, five, even like five, six years ago. And I mean, they, they were a one seat coming into the tournament. So like, I feel like even the way football, the way the football team has elevated the university, which I know because my best friend is a university of my, of Alabama graduate went there partially, not maybe not mostly, but I mean, the the only awareness Right. I'm is sure. because, you know, he knew that, that he's a college, you know, he's a football fan. Like he wanted to go to a school that also had a fun like game day environment. He went to the University of Alabama with three of his, you know, high school classmates from here down here in Miami. They had a great time over there and all that stuff. And he said even while he was there, like every year it felt like they were building new buildings and, you know, you know, updating different things like the success that the University of Alabama football made on the entire university of Alabama, just again, just from talking to my closest friend who went to the school, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it like literally cannot be like understated how much football has elevated the university as a whole. Like he tells me all the time and he's a smart kid. Like he works like in finance in New York city. He's like, I wouldn't have gone into the university of Alabama if I was applying today, just because again, how much the academic standards have elevated, but yeah, you know, again, I mean, all this stuff matters and you know, yes. the success and, and you see it a lot with even smaller schools, like watch how FAU's uh, you know, enrollment Absolutely. is going to spike. And I'm sure someone's going to write the story about that. Shoot. Yep. I went, I went to Florida Gulf coast university when they came off that, you know, well, I Dunk think it was City. like a sweet, a sweet, yeah, Dunk City. So that sweet 16 run that they went on, uh, you know, you see it at programs all over, like all over when they, they make these types of runs. So uh, these types of things matter. Investing in, you know, athletics matters. Winning in athletics uh, matters. And again, I think it's just, you know, one thing leads to another football gets rolling. I mean, Miami, again, it, it just benefits everyone involved. So hopefully we see some of that with football as well in the coming yeah. months. Anyways, again. Thanks to the basketball programs, both the men's and women's. It was fun seasons uh, by both those squads. And, uh, you know, they're, they're just going to keep building from here. So uh, let's take a quick break, get a word in here from our sponsors, Gabby. And on the other side, we'll start answering questions regarding spring football and the recruiting efforts of the football program. Attention business owners. I'm going to say three words you've probably heard of by now employee retention credit. If you're a business owner with W-2 employees and you haven't explored this program, you need to schedule a call with our friends at Foreman Law Offices, ASAP. The employee retention credit can put thousands of dollars back into the hands of business owners. However, the rules are complex and have changed many times since the inception of the program. 
You need to have a qualified law firm with experience in the ERC. Evaluate this for your business. You won't owe them a dime until you get paid. All you have to do is go to erclawyers.com and fill out the short questionnaire to schedule a call with their team. Two minutes may be worth thousands of dollars for your business. Get it done today. erclawyers.com. Tell them TTS sent you for Through the Smoke. This episode is also brought to you by Midway Sports, your one-stop shop for all of your sporting good needs, located just two miles south of the University of Miami. This locally owned small business has everything you would need to gear up for every sport. Their stocked up men's, women's, and kids selections has you and your family covered for all of your outdoor needs. Use promo code SMOKE15 for 15% off your online order at MidwaySports.com. Are you a business owner or manager in need of seasonal or temporary staff? Let the folks at LT Pro Enterprises assist. The folks at LT Pro Enterprises can help you find laborers for your business in the state of Florida with an expanding footprint to other states as well. Reach out to Lionel Torres at torreslionel1, the number one, at gmail.com. LT Pro Enterprises your source for all of your staffing and labor needs. All right, we are back. Gabby, first question kind of gets into the big news from the weekend from a recruiting standpoint um, with five-star defensive lineman David Stone. He's from IMG Academy, of course. Visited the the previous weekend, came back with his family here this most recent weekend. Um, and, And Paul Erickson asks, uh, what on Saturday triggered the emphatic I like Miami here vibe from you, Gabby, on David Stone? Uh, you know, you, you kind of made this clear on the message board, Gabby, that following the second visit, you think Miami is definitely a significant player here in this recruitment. Um, so Paul just wants you to kind of expand on that here in the podcast format. Definitely. I mean, David Stone uh, got back down to Miami a second consecutive weekend, uh, brought his paper off both of his parents and his little brother uh, down to Miami. I know. I mean, he told me the weekend before when he was down with his teammates uh, that, you know, he really needed to get that kind of that stamp of approval from from mom and dad. And that if mom and dad didn't like school, like there was no way that he could attend there. Um, he, he, they definitely got that. I mean, he, his, his words were essentially like my mom basically said, whenever I'm ready, uh, you know, that, you know, Miami basically has, has their blessing. And again, just kind of talking to people, just kind of coming off the visit. Little brother was there. The the little brother was like throwing up the U like the whole weekend, just throwing up the U at people said he just fell in love with throwing up the U. It seemed like the family just really had a good time. He said that that weekend visit, uh, you know, with his family was even better than the one that he had with his teammates. And then he went on to say how much he enjoyed that time with his teammates said he, he already talking about, uh, the next time, you know, he's, he gets back to da- down to Coral Gables. Uh, you know, he was just like, I, he, he was like, I can't wait. Like basically, you know, said that he's going to come down for an official visit, uh, whenever they kind of line up a date. Um, you know, I, I think Miami really, really moved the needle here. And again, I know Steve Wiltfong, our director of recruiting, uh, has gone on his whip with the Wiltfong whip around talking about how he felt like Miami was a school generating some momentum. And I think they absolutely knocked it out of the park, uh, you know, during that weekend visit with his family. I mean, had him all day Friday, all day Saturday. 
And um, again, I, I think that uh, Miami's a school he's kind of talked up in the past. I think that there's great relationships between Miami and the folks at IMG Academy. Uh, I think that really matters. Again, you just saw what Miami did there with Francis Malagoa, Jaden Wayne, Riley Williams, Antonio Tripp. Um, I think that there's just a, a really good report there. And I think it allows, uh, you know, the people around him at IMG Academy to say, hey, look, if you go to Miami, like, you know, these guys are going to take care of you. And again, I think those little things uh, go a long way in recruiting. So I think Miami's done a really good job of establishing the relationship of moving it forward. Uh, it's a position of need. I think he sees that he can come in and contribute. Uh, he met Jason Taylor, got has gotten to know Jason Taylor, watched one of his drills translate into a tackle for loss, uh, you know, during uh, the Saturday portion of the scrimmage. Again, I think a lot of I think a lot of things are just kind of lining up for Miami here. Of course, they're going to have to get through Oklahoma, uh, potentially Michigan State, who he will go see again, uh, despite the fact that both of his primary recruiters over there are no longer with the program. He's, he needs to go see Ohio State. He needs to go see Tennessee. But right now, uh, you know, I know everyone's pointing at Oklahoma, but I think Miami's right on their tail in terms of, uh, you know, potentially being in a spot where they can get them. And I think, uh, you know, you go through the official visit process, the summer process, and just kind of keep moving forward with David Stone. I think Miami feels good about where they could eventually stand at the end of this, you know, all factors considered. And, you know, again, just kind of talking to him and hearing him and, you know, feeling the way that he was feeling about Miami. Uh, you know, I just kind of got that sense that, man, I think Miami could absolutely uh, close here with a top 10 player nationally. Is this recruitment mirror at all uh, kind of a similar trajectory last year to Francis Maui Goas? Because I know, I mean, look, there's a little bit of a track record there now. Uh, with Mario Cristobal in Miami, being that it's now his second full cycle that he's recruiting at Miami. But I remember, at least for me personally, I don't want to speak for you, but like I was a little skeptical last year that they would be able to pull a guy like Francis Maui Goa, a guy that's primarily from the West Coast. Yes, he played at IMG Academy, but most of his ties were to the West Coast of the United States um, and just top 10 player. You know, Miami doesn't typically pull those types of guys outside of South Florida. Uh, but of course, they pulled it off. And the way Miami pulled it off last cycle was they just uh, chipped away at it uh, month after month after month. This staff similarly has a relationship with David Stone prior to this year, et cetera, et cetera. They've done a good job recruiting him um, to this point. Is it on a similar trajectory to you? at all as Francis. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Francis is a great example where like in the spring, it's just like, is Miami really going to get this guy? But we knew he, they really needed him. Uh, the way that they attacked the offensive line, we knew that that was like a primary position of need, right? And Francis Malago was the national guy that they circled. And it's just like, are they really going to win here? I mean, USC, is he not going to go to USC? Is right. he not going to go to Oregon? Like, you know, it was kind of like those things where if you were thinking about it, like, you know, if you're looking at it, you kind of felt like that's where he would end up kind of going. Tennessee was really in there with the Nico right. Yamalieva stuff. Um, you know, Miami was always kind of in there, but it's just like, uh, you know, is that really going to kind of come together? And then it did. And, uh, you know, again, I think the same way that we, we've we talked about Mon uh, Mario Cristobal's kind of like maniacal recruiting nature, how he gets so fixated. And I think defensive tackle is is just a priority. You know, it's like it's that spot where it's like we need to get this right. And David Stone, it feels like that guy that he's kind of like, this is the dude, like one of the dudes. But it feels like this right. is one that where you feel like they're kind of starting to pick up that momentum. And I think now that they feel like they kind of had to have some inroads, it's just like whatever it takes to get this done. And again, given that track record, what they've been able to do in the past, 
past. I mean, maybe I am just giving them the benefit of the doubt based on what they've been able to do here with some of these national guys. But again, it just feels like a situation like at the end of if, if we're if we're at the end of this process and David Stone is in this Miami class, like I'm not going to sit here like, oh, my gosh, like that's crazy. Right. How in the world did they do that? I feel like I'm at the place where it's just like, yeah, this feels like a very realistic, right. uh, you know, possibility. And I guess, uh, you know, that's where some of my, you know, optimism, um, you know, borderline confidence is kind of com- coming from. It's on that trajectory of, okay, yep. this is a guy that Miami kind of closes. Yeah. Right? It feels like they're on that, that path of like, yeah, it seems like they can, you know, again, you get into the, you get into June. It's the official visits, yeah. all that stuff. You only get five. You know, I feels like Miami gets maybe one of those late officials and it's just like, all right, like they're like, that's the time where they're able to close. And I, it just feels like it's kind of on that path. Like you're kind of saying, David. Bumpin' Meat asks, aside from the big names on the line of scrimmage, like David Stone, Elijah Rushing, who's a five-star defensive end from Arizona, visited uh, not this most recent weekend, but the weekend before that. Brandon Baker, who is from Matter Day Academy in Southern California. And Daniel Calhoun, who is from Georgia. Gabby, where is he from? Marietta. Yeah, Marietta. Uh, Who is a priority on the line of scrimmage? And I'm a – well, no, he included some O-linemen in there. Yeah. but is there anyone outside of those names that you feel like the fans should know? Yeah. I, I mean, we, I'll just go rapid fire a few names yeah. on each side of the ball on defense, Dylan Stewart, five-star edge out of Washington, DC, Miami, absolutely in that recruitment. Uh, you know, I, I a hundred percent believe uh, Miami's, you know, definitely again, a factor in there. Five, uh, five-star defensive lineman, Kamari Franklin. He's out of Mississippi. He's already visited Miami twice here in 2023. I think that's a really, really big deal. So I think there's some momentum there. Uh, top two, four, seven defensive lineman, Aiden Breland, or maybe he's, I think he's a five-star now. I think we yeah. actually have him in that top 32. So another five-star defensive lineman, Aiden Breland, uh, out of the same high school as Brandon Baker, Matt, that matter day. Uh, I think Miami kind of made a move there. Booker Pickett, a legacy out of Tampa. Um, Tampa Wharton. He, I mean, he had like 30 sacks as a junior. I think he's an edge, an edge guy who Miami has some momentum with. Uh, Justin Scott is another top two, four, seven fringe five-star guy who, uh, you know, I think Miami's definitely working on. Dominic McKinley is one of the biggest risers in the class of 2024 from the state of Alabama. He's a massive, you know, six foot four, six foot five, 300 pound body type on that interior defensive line. So those are definitely some names at the line of scrimmage on defense, on offense. Let's go Jason Zandamella. He's a center out of Clearwater Academy International. He was just in town on Saturday watching Miami scrimmage. Uh, Jaquan McRoy is a, two, a top two, four, seven offensive tackle, massive, massive body out of Alabama. He used to work out with Inez Cooper back in the day. So that's that relationship. Uh, Joseph Ayanada, an interior offensive lineman, maybe even a center as well out of the same area. Clearwater uh, but plays at Calvary Christian. Miami's doing a great job there. Uh, Liam Andrews, the top two, four, seven guard out of Massachusetts, worked out with Samson Lola in the past. So there's some ties there. He's going to be at Miami on Saturday. Uh, Mike Williams is a tackle out of uh, Baltimore area that they really like. He has an official visit set for the last week of June, from what I understand. Uh, Derek Plaz, uh, offensive lineman from Jacksonville. They love him after getting some eyes on him. Manasse Atiati uh, uh, out of California, another tackle body that they like. And Ty Hilton is another offensive lineman here from the state of Florida that I think Miami fans need to know. So again, outside of those names, these are just some rapid fire. If you're taking notes and want to have some names in the back of your head, uh, those are definitely that's definitely a good place to start. Cryptical in envelopment asks, are there any portal names or players 
you think intend to enter the portal that you feel Miami is in a good position to land after spring? So, you know, I think intend to enter, we're not going to talk about that until any anybody enters, but there are, you know, at receiver, some names to know, Gabby. Can you just remind the listeners who yeah. those names would be? Yeah, uh, you know, Gary Bryant is a USC transfer. Uh, he's, I mean, it seems like it's Oregon, Texas A&M, maybe mostly at this point. It seems like he's leaning Oregon, but Miami got an official visit uh, pre-Shannon Dawson, so pre-offensive coordinator hire. I'm not sure the Hurricanes have as much momentum there as they would like. It seems like people in the building think he's going to go play at Oregon. And then the other is Tyler Harrell. He's a Alabama transfer, also played at Louisville. Had a big 2021 season, averaged nearly 30 yards per catch uh, out of Miami Columbus here, you know, just down the road from the University of Miami's campus. Kind of been around the program here in the spring. I think that that's one name at receiver that, uh, you know, Miami fans should continue to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, it seems like Bobby Petrino and Texas A&M are, another pro- are, are just others that have you know, maybe his attention as well. Bobby Petrino, of course, got helped get him to Louisville. So I think that there's a, you know, a, 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 a relationship there where that kind of dates back some time. Uh, but again, he's a receiver that Miami uh, is definitely going after. And let's see, I, I think, you know, there's definitely going to be some m- more names emerging, uh, you know, maybe here yeah. just over the course of the spring. But those are two at, at a position of need, of course, that I think Miami's after. And I would say, I would add this, like just if we're talking positions, that they would like to address in the May transfer portal window, which is the first 15 days of May. Guys can jump in um, the portal and you're free to recruit those guys. Um, I know that they kind of view their top two positions of need, and this is not breaking news or anything, but uh, D tackle and wide outside wide receiver. Uh, I do think they kind of view corner as a key position of need that they need to address if if there is someone in there that makes sense in that way. I also think they feel like if someone makes sense at running back, they wouldn't be against that. Um, and then other positions too. Spring, it's, it, a lot of it d- does depend on does it make sense. Um, and so I would say, you know, look, pretty much, I think at this point, every position's on the table. But in terms of like, okay, we have to get impact players. I would say outside wide receiver, D tackle and corner yep. is how they view it. Um, next position, next question kind of goes into that as well. I don't know if it's LL Canes or LI Canes 26. Uh, he asks if Miami is unable to land any impact defensive tackles or wide receivers in the transfer portal. Does that lower the win total ceiling immensely? And if so, how many games do you think it would cost us? So for now, Gabby, I kind of view this team between like, as things stand now, I kind of view this team as a seven or eight win team. Uh, I think, you know, seven's the safe bet. Eight would be kind of, if, if things go right, kind of break their way if this is the roster that they take to the season. Now, they're probably going to make additions and they're probably going to have some attrition too in the portal as well. Uh, But right now I view this as a seven or eight win team. Uh, You know, I think that that factors in, of course, primarily the reason why I feel that way is the depth. I think 
injuries are going to happen during the course of a season. And right now with where this team is, where this program is, the drop-off at most of these positions from the starter to the backup is too steep. And when that's the case, I just have a hard time envisioning like 9, 10, 11, 12 win type of regular season. So um, I do think if they land a pretty good outside wide receiver, I think this offense can be significantly improved. You know, a run stopping defensive tackle isn't going to like grab headlines. Those guys don't really get much attention because they just do the dirty work that is important in run defense, but they don't get much attention for it. Um, but I do think if they don't go out and get some sort of run stopping defensive tackle, this defense could be in trouble. Um, it's not. There's not enough size, in my opinion, in the middle of the line of scrimmage. And that would be even like if we're projecting and including guys that are out right now, like Leonard Taylor, Jared Harrison Hunt, uh, you know, there's just not enough big bodies. So hopefully they can land a couple of those guys uh, and improve that position group. But what do you think? Yeah, I mean, again, I think the wide receiver thing could – I think it's, I mean, I don't know. I feel like if they go out and get a big time wide receiver, a big play wide receiver on the outside, again, I kind of go back to like the impact that again, not like Charleston Rambo, like not really even an NFL receiver, but a good college outside receiver and how much that really just changed the way Miami's offense looked in 2021. And then what it, what it looked like without it, without him in, in 2022. And like when, when you didn't really have a place to go, a guy to just kind of throw the ball up to, or someone that could create that kind of space. Um, So, I mean, if this, if they go out and get that, that weapon, you know, I'm going to feel so much better about this offense. And maybe, maybe it's enough to, like what you said, let's say this is a seven win team. Maybe that makes them an eight, you know, potentially nine win team. If you get a guy that can go out and make plays for you and make game changing plays for you on the outside. And I mean, same goes for defensive tackle. Like you said, it's not going to be like, you know, the sexy, like, like you're not going to, I feel like it's not going to be something that's going to be so as evident as maybe a wide receiver would be, but I think you need absolutely need that plug in the middle of defense. And I do think it's lacking. And again, I think that that is a position that if you get that right, I think it, 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 it again, it just kind of, you know, it, it raises the floor and really yes. the, and, and that's kind of what this is about. Yeah. To you me, know, raise yeah. the floor. Right. I don't and, know if they're going to be able to get elite ceiling raisers. I mean, yeah. we'll see. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. But raise the floor is kind of how I view it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, you're not going to like Mason Smith isn't walking through the door, you know, like right. tomorrow. Like you just need a guy that's going to, you know, just that's that's just going to help contain things in the middle. You're probably not going to get an all-American defensive tackle in the portal in May, but you need a body type in there that can give you those snaps that when you need to kind of bear down and kind of get after it in the run game, you have someone that you can throw in the middle of that defense. And again, I think it's something that at times we saw last year that really hurt Miami even. And now without a guy like Daryl Jackson, you need someone that fills those. I mean, Daryl Jackson's wingspan. I mean, yeah, like, you know, I mean, it's insane. I mean, you need, you need body types 
like that. And again, I think it's something that's really important. Again, I think a quality, a, a quality corner, I think helps in a, in a tremendous way, would help in a tremendous way as well. Um, again, but who knows what's going to be available. You could only recruit what's available and we don't really know what's going to be available as right. of yet. So I think it's just kind of wait and see mode and, and see what comes, what comes through. G McCoy 50. Uh, I think this is the last portal related question. As how many more players do you think we lose in the portal after spring? And which groups do you think will be most effective or affected? I, um, so, you know, I don't want to like predict players right. or position groups, but I will say, you know, look, I think I'd, I'd expect five to 10. Do you think that's unrealistic? Yeah, I was I was thinking like three to like seven, like somewhere like in that range. Okay. Like I don't know if it's going to be double digits, but I could see somewhere. I can see it in the range where there's a few guys that that decide to move on. I mean, I don't think yeah. that that's out of the out of the question, right? And I think that should be this number one. That's just the nature of how things are yeah. nowadays. Um, and you know. I think that should be embraced, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, I mean, we already have one, right? Like, Khalil Brantley should technically count yep. as, like, a spring departure. Like, we're already at one. Like, Yep, yep, he's one. And, you know, look, I think if we're being honest with where the program is now, this roster turnover needs to happen from a talent and cultural perspective. Um, you know, Miami's roster turnover needs to improve whether that's the elite talent that's starting or the depth uh, behind the starters, it needs to get better. There needs to be more elite players at the top, the middle of the roster, which is your depth pieces needs to be better caliber player across the board. The bottom third of the roster, in my opinion, needs to have more of a chance to be developed into potential depth players. Not all players are going to be supremely talented but they need to at least have a chance to develop into something from a size and or speed standpoint. And to me, the bottom, I don't know, 10, 15, 20% of the roster is either too small, too slow or both. Um, and so this just, you, you got to embrace the portal, I think is where the program's at right now, both with acquiring talent and with, uh, encouraging guys that aren't going to be in your future plans to uh, find opportunities elsewhere. Yeah. I think until Mario Chris, this roster is made up of basically primarily Mario Cristobal guys and not saying that there wasn't some quality left by Manny Diaz. I'm not saying that at all, but until like, you know, until it's like until this is his roster you know i think you just have to be open-minded about the fact that some guys are going to leave and that's okay like this is you know Correct. not like not all these guys signed up for this uh you know maybe some guys wanted to see a spring at like you know wanted to wait out the spring whatever the case may some be Some guys too want to graduate yeah so, you know, that's a big one guys graduate in may yeah and th i think that's a big one i think that's a big point just for the transfer like for what may can be and it is extremely condensed I mean, there's only going to be 15 days for guys to enter the portal, but there are guys that are just like, hey, I, I just want to graduate school and then I'm going to hit the portal and I'm ready to go. Like no right. point Which in wasting a spring. Yeah. And I think that's how it should be. So I, you know, I think there could be some dudes out there who, uh, you know, again, and I think as graduate transfers, it makes it a lot easier to transfer. You know, because I yes. think Miami ran into some of those issues during that December, January window where, uh, you know, some guys at some positions 
Um, you know, it just didn't work out because the credits thing and all that stuff. So when you are graduated, I mean, you are, I mean, you're free to go uh, really anywhere. And I think, uh, again, I think that makes it, I think that makes it easier for Miami to recruit, um, you know, certain guys at certain positions. So I think that's definitely something to keep in the back of your mind. A set 27 asks, which position group are you betting has the best chance to blow us away or at least far exceed expectations when us fans get to watch the spring game? So this is a hard question to answer because yeah. let me say on the front end, like, I don't know what expectations are from an individual fan uh, standpoint, um, but but I can answer this question from a standpoint of I I do think the following positions and or players will flash and have the fan base encouraged. I do think the new offensive system with the way it attacks downfield is going to get the fan base excited. I do think the starting offensive line is going to get the fan base excited. I think the slot receivers will flash. I think they'll get mm -hmm. the fans excited. Uh, Ruben Bain, Nigel e. Kelly, some young defensive ends that I think are going to show that they're ready to blossom and have pretty good rotational roles here in 2023. And, and I, I also think, I get a lot of buzz about Francisco Maui Goa. Yeah, that's uh, that's who I wrote down. Okay, the linebacker. So yeah. he's the brother of Francis, and uh, I I think he's a guy that the fan base will be excited about. So that's where I would leave it. Is there anyone else you would add? Yeah, I mean, I think you you nailed a lot of people. Like, I think you you I think you kind of got it the right way. But again, I think just really the linebacker room in general. And I'm not saying like this room's like nasty, like figured it out. Right. But I think compared to where it's been in years past again, and, and again, this is just kind of feedback. I'm even getting off. Like, what? Well, I mean, what is it really? It's not even a full scrimmage. It's a partial scrimmage at the right. end of a practice, but uh, you know, some, some people who have been around a lot of football uh, were out there and I got, to, I got to talk to them after. And uh, you know, they were just like that, that 51 is, is, is legit. He was kind of cleaning up. He was cleaning up back there. He's really big and long and athletic. He was making a ton of plays, uh, you know, 51 referring to Francisco Maui Goa. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I do think that he's someone that is that Miami fans are really going to enjoy watching out there because, you know, I, the linebacker play hasn't been exactly where, you know, any of us have wanted it to be over the past few years. And I think Francisco Malico again is kind of just like the big physical, uh, athletic, uh, you know, he's a, you know, he's a, he's, he's a tackler, he's physical, all that type of stuff. He's a smart player. Um, so I think that, Francisco Malago was, was the name and linebacker was the position group. I was like, Hey, maybe, you know, this is one that could maybe pleasantly surprise uh, the fan base. Mario Cristobal has been talking up Keontra Smith and uh, the way he's kind of bought in. Uh, but, you know, we'll see how that goes. Uh, if that's, if that's really what it is. Um, but again, I think that's, that's one spot where we'll see what happens. I'm curious if like, to, you know, this happens quite a bit. But like guys get bubble wrapped if they're really good. I wonder if like for the spring game, I wonder if Francisco's a guy that plays. You know what I mean? Yeah. But That's if fair. he does play, I think he'll catch he'll he'll catch the eye of the fan base. Yeah. Um, and even if not, I think he's just someone to be encouraged about. I think Miami fans absolutely. are going to like That's watching him play down the line. Yes, yes, he's what you want in a college middle linebacker. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. 
And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Tally Kane 10 asks, and I don't know if I'm going to like the answer to this question, but <laughs> how do we feel about Air Nolan, the yeah. quarterback, with five days to his commitment? So there's new buzz to know here with Mr. Nolan. Gabby, take us through what's changing, why it's changed, yeah. and where Miami stands. Yeah, look, coming out of that, uh, you know, Air Nolan, uh, of course, you know, top what is he a top five arm in the class of 2024 uh he visited miami unofficially uh what was it last weekend he was down with his mom and i think coming out of that weekend uh miami was feeling really really confident about where they stand where they stood uh he set an announcement date uh you know while still at miami finishing you know putting up the finishing touches on that visit and again i think uh you know people in coral gables have felt extremely confident about where they're at but they were also aware that they were gonna have to weather you know, a few storms. I mean, from right from uh, Miami, he went to Texas A&M, uh, a school that was considered a, 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 you know, a really serious contender as well. And, uh, you know, I think even coming out of that, Miami felt really good. But, you know, he went up to Ohio State uh, here over the past few days, I think this past weekend. And uh, they hadn't, Ohio State hadn't offered Aaron Nolan yet, but they did offer when he was up there in Columbus. And I think uh, that's the first time where maybe there was a little bit of a, of a pause of, you know, it, uh, you know, is, you know, again, it's not that there's not confidence about what they've done. Uh, it's just, man, this Ohio State offer, you know, probably shakes things up. I mean, just kind of checking in here on Monday morning, uh, trying to get the freshest intel. Uh, again, it seems like, you know, they felt really, really good up until the point that Aaron Nolan got an Ohio State offer. Uh, so right now, I think, uh, again, just one person's feeling was, you know, maybe 50-50 uh, between Ohio State and that, and, and themselves. Um I think, you know, this may be trending the Buckeyes way, but again, I think it's also one of those situations where, you know, maybe with a, a, a few days to kind of give himself to make this decision, it's the it, decisions on April 8th, you said five days away uh, to kind of, I think it gives Miami a chance to kind of get back on the phone and kind of just like re-energize him about why Miami's, uh, you know, potentially the best spot. But of course, uh, Ohio State and that pedigree is is extremely attractive. So uh, it seems like it's coming down to the Canes and the Buckeyes. Maybe the Aggies are in there. Uh, to an extent, but uh, you know, again, I I think uh, I think before this Ohio State visit, uh, you know, I think Miami probably felt like they were best positioned to get them. Uh, so we'll just kind of, you know, I think five days is a long time in recruiting, especially you know when it's a high profile recruitment. We've seen that the ebbs and flows of that in the past. So you know, just stay patient here over the next few days, and uh, let's see if Miami can make a move to you know put themselves back in that pole position for uh, you know their top quarterback target. I wonder if there's a chance he pushes back. Yeah, I think that's maybe something to to think Which about. Would too. be a good sign. 
for Miami. I mean, just because this Ohio State offer is quote unquote, it, it is fresh. Yeah, right? but I'll, I will say that Ohio State has been, you know, I feel like they've been yeah. recruiting him well. It seems like, you know, they, I guess their thing is, oh, uh, we're not going to offer a quarterback until we see them or until they visit our school or whatever the case is. I don't know if they're playing that game now, but, uh, you know, even when I went to go see Aaron Noland at that, uh, you know, that seven on seven tournament in Broward County, I mean, that was February ish around that time. Yeah. He and he was talking up. and yeah, he brought up Ohio state then and he said they were recruiting him super hard. So it felt like Ohio state was basically recruiting him, but hadn't offered him. So I don't think it was just like, Oh, we like you were offering. And now, Hey, do you want to come play for us? I think, you know, there's been well-established relationships there. Um, it was just about actually getting up to Columbus and, uh, you know, kind of putting up, you know, just kind of confirming uh, the offer and, and all those different types of things. Cause it's junior tape more than, more than, you know, warrants uh, an offer, but, right. you know, Clemson does stuff like that. I'm sure Alabama does stuff like, like, stuff like that but uh you know again i think let's see let's see if he pushes it back i think if he pushes it back um that would be probably good uh i, I would i would guess for for miami but if he's gonna hold firm onto that april 8th date uh you know definitely hold on tight here over the next few days yeah school like ohio state isn't going to do that offer situation unless they feel like they're going to get them does that yeah. make sense like yeah they're for not, sure they're not going to do that and then get punked optically Yep. Uh, so they probably feel like if we offer him, we, we're getting him. So we'll see how it ends up. Let's just say, hypothetically, we get bad news with Mr. Nolan. Where do you feel like Miami would pivot to, at, yeah. you know, with, with the quarterback pursuit? Yeah, uh, a, a name I, I I reported on here uh, on uh, on Monday, David. Uh, that's Judd Anderson out of Jones County, Georgia. Uh, six foot six, two hundred and ten pounder guy has basketball background. Uh, I, I think this is their guy. You know, if it's not Aaron Nolan, I think this is the guy that they're going to kind of go full court press on, um, even more so than Luke Moga, the you know the the quarterback out of the dual threat out of a uh, out of Phoenix, who's still maybe a little bit on the raw side. Uh, Judd Anderson, to me, I think is is the guy that they're kind of enamored with. I think the size, uh, the athleticism, again, just what he can do on the hard, what I think as a sophomore average, a double-double. Uh, so, you know, he's a guy that can move around well. I think they feel like he has really natural arm talent. Uh, you know, you turn on the tape, I think, you know, Jen, a, a guy that you can tell is just not like super mechanically sound, just kind of launching the ball 50 yards up in the air. Like, I mean, you know, down the field, like just kind of getting it downfield. Um, you know, he has, uh, you know, that natural gift that I think Shannon Dawson can absolutely work with and values. Uh, so uh, I think Judd Anderson is probably the guy that I think Miami fans need to know uh, inter you know, at the quarterback position. I think there's others. Uh, Dante Reno is a four star out of a Cheshire Academy. His dad is Tony Reno, who's the head coach at Yale, has been the head coach there for a long time. He's committed to South Carolina. Uh, he's also very close friends with Jackson Carver, Miami's true freshman uh, tight end. Uh, Michael Van Buren is another one out of Baltimore uh, that I think Miami's still kind of floating around in the mix with. Uh, he's got some others, Penn State, Oregon, that are kind of coming in hot after him. But I think Miami could, you know, maybe pivot back to Michael Van Buren. Um, but I think right now it seems like Judd Anderson, again, visiting Thursday. So uh, I think if uh, things with Aaron Nolan don't come together, I wouldn't be, I honestly wouldn't be super surprised if things with Judd Anderson kind of expedited pretty quickly. Uh, he was just at the, at North Carolina. Um, and then, you know, he's talking about potentially getting back to Georgia tech, uh, a school that's obviously close to home here in, uh, you know, later on in April. But I think if Miami really, really kind of, 
press is there. It seems like someone that maybe they can lock in if, uh, again, situation emerges where Aaron Nolan is not on the table. Did North Carolina offer him? Um, I'm not sure if North Carolina offered him. I know that he was planning to go out to go over there. I didn't know if he already held an offer from them. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think he has a North Carolina offer. He has a pit offer. He has an Ole Miss offer, Georgia tech, and then some smaller schools, Toledo. Hey, there's Jason candle again. Um, just schools like that. And let's just say, uh, Judd is the quarterback in this class. How do we feel about that? Cause I think, Personally, when I watch his tape, I think he has ability. Like he, I could see why he would be a good fit in this offense. Um, the the thing that makes that makes it tough with a guy like Judd is just recruiting momentum yeah. type of stuff. And how much does that really matter? I don't know if you can quantify it, but the thing is, you get a guy like Air Nolan that's basically a top one hundred recruit that can attract receivers, running backs, offensive linemen to come play with him. Uh, a guy like Judd could also be, hes he can be a very good player, but he doesn't necessarily have that cachet of like, hey, come play with Judd, you know. And, yeah. and I, it was similar. I think this is kind of what I was saying last year around this time with like Jaden Rashada and Emery Williams, right? Like Emery Williams is a fine player and he's getting, he's at Miami now. And he can more than hold his own at Miami. I think he could be a starter eventually down the road at Miami. Uh, but a guy like Jaden Rashada had that cachet and could attract guys to come with him. So I guess just if Judd is the quarterback, how, how would you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I think those reasons that you mentioned are all valid. And I think that would probably be my biggest reservation is just like, Aaron Nolan to Judd Anderson again perception in recruiting is reality and uh you know yeah. that's not gonna be let's say again that's not that's not the best look right like going from hey we nearly got one of the again and not, not saying that this is Miami's reality but again in this in this hypothetical situation right. uh you know you kind of go from one of the best arms in the country uh to uh a Judd Anderson who's maybe more of a uh you know again not so much of a known prospect it's at this probably point like of... an Emery you know right I, I think feel like it's, it's similar. A, I think it's similar uh I think he, it's he's a similar type of talent but again uh you know I think the perception of just like hey like what is this is this is this moving the needle in terms of helping right. our 2024 right. class I don't think it's that but I do think that this is a situation where that we can be looking at you know, maybe even similar to Emory in this way too, where I feel like we're looking at Emory now and we're kind of like removing the star systems and all that stuff. And we're watching Emory in the spring here. And we're like, I mean, I, it seems like Emory yeah, has a, a chance, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, again, but I think on paper, it's not like, it's probably like, Hey, you know, this probably isn't like, you know, the, the, the greatest yeah. looking quarterback to have in the class, but I can see a situation where, you know, two, you know, a year, two years down the line, you know, we're seeing Judd Anderson develop and it's just like, Hey, look, this, these are all the reasons why Shannon Dawson wanted him. And again, I think in this off, and I think he's proven to get a lot of production out of his quarterbacks. And, you know, again, you, I, I think you have to, again, with Shannon Dawson, I think you kind of have to give him the benefit of the doubt right now in terms of just like, he he he's done it. You know, he's done a really good job with quarterbacks and he likes what he likes and he sees traits in that. Again, you know, big picture recruiting wise. Mm, you know, obviously I think there's some, to, you know, maybe something to be desired there. You know, I think maybe you can try to find a quarterback to pair him with maybe another uh, arm where you can try to, 
sell like, you know, both these guys uh, could potentially, you know, lead the program one day or one of these two guys, whatever the case is. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I would obviously, you know, I would be excited. I, cause I do think he has talent. Uh, but, you know, obviously it's not the Aaron Nolan effect. And I think that's probably right. would be the toughest pill to kind of swallow there. Right. We're not necessarily talking about evaluations or yeah. ability. We're talking about recruiting buzz, which it kind of does matter at that position. If we're being at, at the quarterback position, you know, Aaron Nolan plays for South Florida Express in the seven on seven circuit. Right. Who are South Florida Express's wide receivers? Jeremiah Smith, yep. Jojo Trader, Chance Robinson, like that stuff kind of matters. If, if Aaron Nolan commits to Miami, that would help Miami's chances slightly with those type of guys. If Aaron Nolan goes to Ohio state, where's Jeremiah Smith committed to Yeah, Ohio state. So all this stuff, we're basically just saying all this stuff matters with recruiting. It doesn't have anything to do with like projecting how good a player is. Cause I do think Judd, has some traits that are interesting to develop, um, but it's just going to be hard to, hey, Jeremiah Smith, come play with Judd Anderson, right? So um, just wanted to have that conversation. Uh, I don't know how to even say this. Chris Dugoman asks, if you can lock three 2024 recruits that Miami would land, who would they be? Yeah. I mean, three names I wrote, uh, I put David stone in there, you know, again, feeling, yeah. feeling pretty good about that. Uh, I put Zaquan Patterson, the top two, four, seven safety out of Shaman. I think you do that? that, um, you know, I just think that he's, I think he's someone that he's, uh, like, is, is it just like people that I feel like Miami can land? Like, uh, I didn't, is it just I, like, I can pick three, name three random names. Like I can pick any three names. I well, want. That's fair. I interpreted this question as if you could pick three names that Miami, let's, let's make it that Miami's actually recruiting, but three names to build this class around. Oh, okay. Let's, let's answer it like that. Who okay. Would you that's go fair. With? Okay. David Stone. All right. I mean, Dylan Stewart. Do you want me to <laughs> Is, go? Yeah, go. You can, you can go if you want. So I said, David Stone, you know, again, we've talked about him earlier in the podcast, versatile defensive lineman, that I think I think he could play up and down the line. Um, yeah. Would also keep the IMG Academy pipeline open. Last year they landed the best player at IMG in Francis Maui Goa. They could do it again with David Stone. I would go Jeremiah Smith. Yeah. Okay. At a Shaman Abadana, best receiver in the country. I think he's the rare wide receiver that can make any quarterback look good. And. My third guy, I, I wrestled with this. I think you go a lot of different directions. My third guy, though, I would go Brandon Baker, the offensive lineman at a matter day in Southern Cal. Top 50 player. I just think, you know, Miami's identity under Mario Cristobal is going to be playing bully ball on the line of scrimmage. Last year, they landed two elite offensive linemen. I think you got to keep that going, keep stacking at least one offensive lineman that's an elite recruit every year i would go with brandon baker fair i mean i lo love all those selections i mean i'll go david stone um i mean just because i mean for those I'll, I'll pick three different names i'll go dylan stewart who's you know the five-star pass rusher yeah. out of Twitchy. out of dc yeah i mean i think he's he's absolutely i think he's absolutely big time um i'll go um I'll go Aiden Breland, who's again another big defensive yeah, tackle. I like his I, I think I think Aiden Breland is is kind of a freak. 
And, uh, you know, and, and then honestly, I'll probably go Aaron Nolan. Like, I think that you need okay. that big time quarterback in the class. And I think if you can, I think if you can get him, uh, you know, you kind of just place him into this and find again, I think you find a way. Yeah, man, you just, you got to get one of those big arms. So those are three that I would roll with outside of your three. The star Horton group is a real estate company that covers all of Miami Dade, Broward and Palm beach counties born and raised in Miami. Star is committed to growing his clients' wealth and securing their futures. One of the top realtors in the state, Star knows the ins and outs of the market to make sure his clients get the best possible value when they sell or buy. If you're looking to buy or sell or know someone who is, call or text Star directly at 561-573-4661. And here's the beauty. When you refer someone to Star, he will donate $250 to the Miami Hurricanes Athletic Fund in your name upon the closing of the deal. So to have a great real estate experience and help our Canes, call or text STAR today at 561-573-4661. Money can be the root of all evil when you don't understand it. A couple of bad decisions shouldn't continue to affect us years later, and the path to recovery shouldn't be as painful as the regret. Everyone at some point needs help with their financial situation, and Pride Financial can lend that helping hand. Pride Financial offers a patient and judgment-free environment and will provide you with the knowledge and power you need to realize your dreams. Once they identify your goals, they will guide you to the finish line, holding your hand every step of the way. Repairing and building credit is only the first step. They'll educate you on a variety of banking and financial institutions, what resources they offer, and how to maximize funding for your financial needs. Gain access to a vast network of realtors and licensed dealers to receive outstanding deals on prime real estate and the newest vehicles to fit your lifestyle. They even offer education and services to assist those more involved on the business side of things. Text 305-393-7698 or email globalchoice underscore consulting at yahoo.com to book a free consultation with Pride Financial. And let's take pride in our finances. Rattler Kane 06 asks, Miami was able to secure the number seven class, recruiting class, with a five and seven record. With this new staff, where do you project Miami finishes this cycle? should the season go as planned. In addition, does that prediction cement them as the ACC leader when all is said and done? So I'll, I'll answer this in this way. It, I, I think if Miami can go eight and four in the regular season, I do think they can sign a top five class. Yeah. Um, I think that's on the table. And I assume he's asking, does that make them the ACC leader in terms of recruiting rankings? And I would imagine, yeah, I mean, you never know with Clemson yep. because they kind of, I don't know, it seems like maybe every other cycle they level up to like a top five class. So that would hypothetically be this class. But I do think if Miami lands at a, a top five class, there's a very good chance that they did sign the best class in the ACC. And I do think one thing, Gabby, that was overlooked with this 2023 recruiting class Uh, for Mario Cristobal, which was his first full class at Miami, is that it was the first time in the 24-7 sports era 
which dates back to the 2011 cycle, that Miami signed the best class in the ACC. So prior to this year, since 2011, uh, Florida State, especially under Jimbo, and Clemson here recently, each dominated the ACC recruiting rankings. This is the first time Miami was the top class in the conference. If they're able to do that um, two years in a row, no, look, the best indicator of future success in major college football is recruiting success. Yeah. So they're able to do it two cycles in a row. It's going to portend nice results in the future. That was a big word. I don't even know. If I, I don't know what that word means. <laughs> I mean, look, so, I mean, it, along those same lines, look, again, I, I know I've said this in the past, but like, you know, I feel like Miami should kind of follow the the Texas kind of, you know, route right now. I mean, they, again, they didn't flip it. They didn't flip five and seven to 11 and one, right? Like they flipped five and seven to eight and four and they played for a conference title. Will Miami play for a conference title next year? Probably not. But if you can get to that eight and four range, I think, and then Texas went on and signed what the number three class in the country signed the number one overall player, a five-star quarterback in Arch Manning. You know, I think they cleaned up, um, you know, a, a lot in the state of Texas. I think they signed a, a fantastic class. And, you know, I think the expectations are just continuing to rise in Austin. And I think, again, I think if you're, if we're talking Miami going eight and four, I think expecting, and we've talked about our expectations and what they should be here. I think you should expect a top five class at Miami because again, I think that's their expectations. So just mirroring yes. their expectations, I think we should expect, uh, you know, Miami to, you know, again, improve on the field first and foremost. Yes. And I think that improvement on the field will translate into a really, really strong recruiting class. And I think Miami recruiting at a really high level is better than what Florida state is going to be able to recruit at a really high level. And I think honestly, it's either on par or like you said, David, they could Clemson could heat up and you know, they can go on an incredible recruiting run, but even Clemson with all the success that they've had. And I thought they signed a really, really good class here in uh in 2023. Miami is still able to be at least on par uh, with with a program like Clemson, you know, even in a down year. So I think if you start seeing those on field, uh, all that stuff on field improving, I think you should expect to Miami to recruit, uh, at least level with Clemson, if not better than yeah. Clemson. And I think so when you so when we say that, I think we should expect Miami to be the recruiting powerhouse of the ACC if this goes according to plan, of course. Again, and if we're talking, you know, should the season go as planned? And I think as planned could be what, you know, again, eight wins, let's say that I think that that's a I think that's a fair mark uh, to kind of place for Miami here in 2023. So, yeah, you know, I do think that Miami should be the, like, you know, they should be the top recruiting dog in the conference if they Things yeah. go as planned here in you know this this recruiting cycle. Florida State is interesting because I do think Florida State's going to be good this year. And, Definitely, you know, but I think from a high school recruiting standpoint, I don't know if Mike Norvell and and just their approach. I'm not like throwing shade. It's just how it appears to someone on the outside. It seems like they're just more portal centric. They're more interested in the portal than they are you know, fighting those high school, those elite high school recruiting wars. Um, and so, you know, I, I just kind of, they can change that narrative easily with a good showing on the trail this year, but it just seems like they're, they're more built on, okay, we'll, we'll shoot for a top 15 class and then we'll go portal heavy in December, which has worked for them to this yeah, point. Definitely. So uh, that's maybe why, 
I agree with you. I think Clemson's more of the bigger threat if we're just talking high school recruiting rankings uh, than Florida State. But again, Florida State most likely is going to have a better year on the field than Miami, if we're being real. Um, next question. I'm sorry, I lost my, my place. Joe or J06 Smith asks when you compare this current staff to the previous staff at this point in spring ball compared to last year, how do you feel about the chemistry? So I do think this is a fair question because last year this was kind of low key, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. This was kind of a low key issue that I do think didn't help, uh, particularly in the second half of the season. Uh, let me say this on the front end. You know, we're in spring and yep. in spring chemistry is typically good. You know, spring is light. It's a developmental time and compared to the fall when things really get ramped up and tight and serious spring is always going to be good, but I will say this spring there is, you know, because of how things went last year, there is, I feel more of an intentional effort with this staff to be cohesive, to have that strong chemistry, to be on the same page and a better connected group. Um, to, to be able to, to handle these adverse situations that are going to happen during the course of a season. That connectedness was not there, again, particularly on the offensive side of the ball with last year's staff. Uh, you know, I, I do think when the friction of last year's staff started happening, the players sensed it, and that's not ever a good thing. You don't want them to sense that type of drama within a staff. Uh, so, you know, year over year, if you're talking about specifically the spring, I don't know if necessarily the chemistry is noticeably different, but I do think the effort is there to make it different for when the fall arrives. I would say probably to me, Gabby, the biggest difference is, you know, last year, I, I do think there was something to Again, particularly on offense, and this goes beyond Josh Gaddis. I think there's there was position coaches too uh, that when they arrived at Miami, they weren't enamored with the talent that they had to work with. And so I think when you arrive and you have this negative mindset with the players you're inheriting and that you're working with, you kind of can have this self-fulfilling prophecy of negativity with the group. And so everything this group does stinks because the players stink and we're just not going to be good. And what am I supposed to do? I do think Shannon Dawson is taking more of an approach of, okay, this is what we have to work with. How can I get the most out of these players? How can I get the most out of these skill sets that these players do have? And so I think that approach year over year is different than what Miami had last year from the coaching staff if that makes sense yeah no and i think just the intentionality of just like i think when they were going through this process it was just like i think it, it was almost just like they're asking themselves like is this going to be a good fit like is you think this is going to work is this all going to kind of come together and uh again i think that like you talked about the offense offensive side so i'll even talk about the defensive side like i think there's just like a sense of like rejuvenation on the defensive side of the ball just with a guy like like Derek nicholson like i think you know 
people yeah. are are speaking Young, extremely energetic. extremely highly yeah exactly you know he's very energetic you know he he treats people the right you know he treats everyone in the building the right way um you know he's he he understands what he wants he he's really good with the players um uh, you know i've heard people tell me you know derek nicholson's a future defensive coordinator like at the power five level like down the line when he kind of you know gets some more experience under spell like the, i think the trajectory for him is really high and again i think that people around him kind of sense that i think lance gidry is a a light funny guy you know someone yep. that like you know makes everyone in the building laugh that's uh you know includes like even you know the most like maybe minute members of this or you know people in, in this whole gigantic football operation you know get you know talks to them you know makes them feel a part of, of everything so i feel like just really the the whole even the personalities maybe i would just say like are just you know i think it just it's just all kind of more well-rounded it's all kind of coming together and i think everyone understands that like you know what happened last year can't be that way again and again i think there's that that just that in the back of these guys minds it's just like kind of you have to be always kind of maybe actively kind of working and making sure everyone's on the same page and everyone's right and everyone's happy and everyone gets along and stuff like that so again and look I'm not like comparing the two situations. They're very, very different. But I think Manny Diaz's first year, I think you kind of saw something where you're just trying to kind of try to throw something together and it didn't work. And it maybe it maybe took like that hiccup to kind of take a step back and be like, okay, what do we need? Like maybe not what we want, but what do we need for this to work? And I think, you know, we saw the next year how they draft, you know, they improved drastically with like, you know, Rhett Lashley and some of these things. And it wasn't like a massive, massive improvement. I mean, it still, it was what it was, but I think we, you, you saw those, you saw those little, you know, those, those next steps kind of getting taken. And I think it's a similar story here where, you know, we really wanted this Josh Gaddish offense and, you know, the Charlie strong is a big name and Kevin Steele's a big name. And now it's just like, let's get guys that fit what we got, what we're trying to do and let's roll and make sure everyone in the building's on the same page. So just to kind of echo some of your points, I think that uh, again, I, I really honestly, like, I feel like people are happier to come to work. I mean, that that's really like some feedback I'm getting. Like everyone's just happier in the building. I think everyone's just feeling refreshed. Uh, you know, it's just, it's not as much of a, oh my gosh, like here we go again type of yeah. mentality walking into the, through those doors every day. And I think Coach Cristobal even has tried to make an effort to oh definitely improve in this area as well. Definitely. So again, the bottom line with all this though is the results. So we'll see if if these changes lead to better results uh, when this season comes around. Gulf Coast Kane 239 asks, it sounded like Mario did all the heavy lifting as far as the recruiting last cycle. I know that's his thing, but is there a noticeable difference with this staff as far as pushing as hard as Mario to get these guys? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I think, uh, you know, again, I think he's surrounded himself with with quality. I, I think I think, you know, these guys are all quality recruiters. Like I think Shannon Dawson can recruit a quarterback, you know, like I think he can go get his quarterback. I think Tim Harris Jr. can can recruit a tailback. You know, I think Kevin Harris, Kevin Beard can go out and recruit his set of wide receivers. And I think Mario Cristobal is always going to be involved and hands on yes. in these processes. But I think that there is I think he is. He brought guys in who still have that like recruit that have that recruiting instinct. Um, you know, I think Derek Nicholson's doing a great job just getting linebackers on campus and, you know, establishing those relationships. Uh, you know, Jason Taylor, I think, has, t- has taken a very active role in, in recruiting as well. Yeah, Cody Woodio is, you know, I think I feel like every week there's a, a new set of tight ends on campus. You know, I think that Coach Woodio is, is doing a great job with that. Uh, Alex Mirabal, I think, is very hands on with the offensive if, line, as is Ed Pata and Mario Cristobal as well. And we're not saying the person, the people you don't name aren't doing a good job. Right. Of course. 
but of these new guys, the new guys, who had you had to pick one who has stood out to you as being like, okay, this guy's it's it's first impression. And honestly, there's a long way to go with this yeah. recruiting cycle. But who's impressing you as a first impression of like, okay, this guy's gonna be a good recruiter here. I mean, I think I think Woody Old's done a really good job. I mean, uh, Caleb Odom is going to be on campus. He's like a top five tight end uh, in the country. Uh, I think he's coming. He's coming down on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, there's a tight end on campus, you know, here on Monday, and Amir, Amir Jackson, who was just at Georgia. Georgia's recruiting. Um, I, I mean, he's super involved in the Kamari and Franklin recruitment. I mean, he's from Mississippi. Uh, you know, I think there's been a ton, a ton, a ton of tight ends that have rolled through. And again, people. Out, you know, before last week, probably assumed that that was all Coach Field, and he certainly has his hands in it. And in it, but I mean, David, how long is how long have we known that Coach Wood that Woody has been the tight end? I mean, it was like mid February, yeah. I think, yeah. was the first times we we started having kind of those discussions. Um, you know, and he's had his hands all over Roger Salapaga, Elijah Lofton. Um, you know, more like more of these guys to come. I mean, I think he's been super impressive on the recruiting trail. Uh, the others have as well. But I mean, I think tight end is one position specifically, um, you know, where Miami's just done a really good job of getting some some big names on campus. Gator Hater MD asks, what is Alonzo Highsmith's role? We haven't heard much about him and uh, what he will do for the program since he was hired. Particularly, I'm interested in what role he plays in helping Mario put together staff and identify, interview, and hire coordinators and assistant coaches. Yeah. I mean, I just from, again, this is like just from my experience of kind of just, you know, I don't know. Um, but I he's mean, a really, jack of all trades. Yeah. He's not doing like, I don't think he's doing like one specific thing, but I know one thing he is doing is, you know, he, he watches a lot of tape and basically right. he's saying, Hey, I think you guys should offer this guy. And he, I don't know if he necessarily has, you know, I don't think he's the ultimate authority when it comes to, Hey, we are offering a guy. Like it's not, I don't think it's necessarily running directly through Alonzo Highsmith, but I think he's watching guys. He's bringing it up to coach, to coach Cristobal or other prominent members of uh, the Miami staff or recruiting department. And he's saying, Hey, I look, I, I like this guy's tape. I think he could be this. And then it's kind of in the balls in their court in terms of uh, you, do you want to offer and pursue or not? But I think he's kind of gonna just another set of, of veteran eyes that has evaluated a ton of people. And he's able to bring in, you know, quality, you know, again, vision to uh, yeah. a, a huddle tape. And yeah, maybe he's used to evaluating, you know, 21 and 22 year olds and not necessarily 16 and 17 year olds. But still, I think he's good at identifying traits. And I think that, uh, again, he's he just passes names along and and things like that. Yeah, I don't know if he's like Mario Cristobal's top advisor within the program, but yeah. he is a voice that I think does carry weight. I do think. Like you said, he helps with the evaluation process. And I do think he kind of shares big picture things like like if we're talking coaches and, and schematics, I do think he shares like how he thinks things should look in terms of, hey, you know, this type of system would probably work best for modern college day football on both sides of the ball. Right. And, and I do think he's I do think he's excited. Right. About the coaching changes that did happen this year so yep. he's on board with where things are going stavello kane there was a lot of questions about tj capers yeah uh, out of miami columbus stavello kane asks, what is miami's pursuit of tj capers right now yeah i mean they're recruiting him you know uh, again he's a committed prospect um you know how that goes here at the university of miami 
Um, they're working on him. You know, he he's he plays at Miami Columbus High School, which is you know the alma mater of you know Alonzo Highsmith, Mario Cristobal, Alex Mirabal, um, you know other you know just prominent members of the Miami Hurricanes football family who are you know invested into the program. Uh, they're they're going to recruit DJ Capers. Um, you know they're going to do what they got to do. I don't have like a specific update like. He's definitely visiting. I know that they've talked about dates to get him on campus. I don't think that those have necessarily come to fruition or at least not uh, to my knowledge, but I think that he's someone, you know, they're working on. He's a, he's a top local target at a position of need. And, you know, I absolutely expect Miami to recruit him. Yeah. And he's currently committed to Louisville who, yep. you know, does a good job with their NIL program. Canes 8788 asks, how are we addressing cornerback recruiting? After Cormani McLean decommitted last year, it looks like we have lost a lot of mojo there at the position. Yeah, I mean, I think one way you can you can handle that is, you know, through the transfer portal. Uh, let's see what becomes available. Again, I, I, we don't know of anyone in particular that's in the transfer portal, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it went out and got a cornerback who can help in the transfer portal. And then, you know, it, I mean, really at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's high school recruiting. I mean, Antoine Jackson was another kid they signed David. I, I'm sure we're, I mean, we got to talk about that at some point, you know, Miami did let him out of his letter of intent. So, you know, I believe he's going to East Carolina. I guess that's what the, what the move is. I've definitely tapped out of that whole situation now that he's been released. Um, but, you know, Miami needs to go out and get bodies. I mean, I think they did a really good job with Damari Brown. I think Robert Stafford is a good developmental guy to have in the program that a couple years down the line uh, could potentially give you some help back there. Um, but, you know, I think there, you know, there's some intriguing, uh, you know, high school prospects that they're recruiting. Uh, Antoine Belgrave Shorter is a, is a kid from Jacksonville uh, at a Mandarin high school who just visited. I think they really like him. Uh, definitely looks to part Ricky Knight out of Palm Beach Benjamin. They're recruiting him. Xavier Mincy out of Mainland and Daytona Beach. They're recruiting him. Wardell Mack is a kid out of Louisiana. Uh, Lance Kidry's, uh, you know, area. A couple other guys who have prominent status in that area as well. Dylan Day is a kid out of Louisiana that they just had on campus as well. Uh, Kensley Faustin from the 239 is another one that people at Miami like. Uh, so he's, uh, he's another, uh, guy on the table too. So, you know, again, I think it's gotta be done through high school recruiting, but, uh, again, I think the transfer portal is always going to be an option. So again, I, I think it's an extremely important, uh, I think what happens here over the next few months at cornerback, you know, really this cycle plus transfer portal at cornerback is really, really big because, uh, you know, we talked about, uh, if it, if it doesn't go super great, the way we're talking about off at the, the way we talked about offensive line in 2023, the way we talked about defensive tackle here in 2024, I mean, Cornerback, I think, is approaching, um, you know, that area where we're just like, where yeah. we're going to be like, you know, it feels like this needs to be significantly upgraded quickly, because if not, it seems like it could start uh, getting a little troublesome. So I think that's definitely a, a position that Miami needs to prioritize here in the class of 2024 and, uh, you know, in other facets. I know for me, like I view it like you look at Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, these top programs here, they're landing five star corners, at least one almost every cycle, or at yep. least a top 50 corner or a top 100 corner. That's to me where Miami has to level up specifically at the cornerback recruiting position. That's the hardest position to play on defense. And there's only so many elite players in the country at that position that can do it at a high level. And so Miami, I think they got to, every cycle, they need to target one elite corner and say, that's our guy. That's our guy. We're going to get him no matter what they did it last cycle with Cormani. 
didn't work out at the buzzer, but I think they got to do it again this cycle. They got to figure out who their elite guy is. Yeah. Who is there a guy that you would identify as like an elite guy right now? Honestly, like I, I'm not one that I feel like they have like a ton of juice with, right? Like, I mean, maybe one emerges, but yeah. like, for example, like Charles Lester, I think was someone that they hoped uh, they could get some momentum with early on in the cycle. Um, you know, I don't know that, he, like, I don't think Miami's going to have much luck there. Uh, you know, Xavier Mincy is a kid, you know, he's a top two, four, seven kid. We have him listed as a safety. I think Miami thinks that he could maybe play corner. He's kind of long and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, I don't even know if, uh, if, what if about that's... Xavier Brown, is that Xavier Brown? No, I think that's done, man. I think, you know, I think he dropped the top, uh, three or top four that had like Alabama, Ohio state. I think it was like USC and Oregon or something along those lines where, you know, it just, you know, it, it didn't come together there. Like maybe, maybe there's a guy like Marcellus Williams out of St. John Bosco. I mean, Wardell Mack again, Louisiana, he, he's a Louisiana kid uh, who's a top two, four, seven guy, uh, you know, number one, 106 player in the country on the composite. Um, I think he's someone that maybe down the line, like that could kind of come together. But again, I don't, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm looking through the targets right now and I'm not looking at, I, I don't see a guy where I'm just like, yeah, you know, like this is Miami's dude. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I think that that's where, you know, maybe they they're kind of lacking right now. But again, they really like the like the Antoine Belgrave shorter kid. Like, I think they think he's for real. Uh, Milton Ferguson, who's out of Virginia Beach. Again, he's a three star kid, but I think they think he's, you know, right. legit. Um, but again, it's not like that lockdown. Like this dude is is like our guy, an absolute stud that we need to figure it out with. So, yeah, right. I mean, I would agree that there's there's. There's that it feels like they needed to target that guy. And I don't know that they necessarily have that momentum right now. Last question comes from B Shea 12. Who is an under the radar recruit that Miami staff is higher on than the other programs around the country? Yeah. I mean, I think I mentioned one Antoine Belgrave shorter. Um, I think he mentioned like Penn state and Wisconsin were like, two schools outside of Miami doing a really good job recruiting him. Uh, I mentioned, I mean, we talked about Judd Anderson earlier in the show. Like, I mean, right. Memphis and middle Tennessee state are like his two most recent offers. And again, not a ton of power fives, uh, you know, breaking down his door, but Miami really, really likes him. So like Judd Anderson, I think is someone that definitely falls into that category. Uh, Derek Plaz is a, is an offensive lineman out of uh, Jacksonville who, again, I, you know, we saw him in Orlando, David, I thought he did fine out there and, you know, got eyes on him again here in, uh, you know, after his Miami visit last weekend. And again, he's put together. Well, I think Miami really, really likes him after kind of sizing him up. Uh, I think, you know, NC state, Florida state, a, a couple schools like that are, are, are amongst the school that like schools that are recruiting. I think wake forest Duke are a few schools that he's going to go check out as well. Uh, another one who's, uh, I mean, a highly ranked kid. So I'm not really sure if this is cheating, but it doesn't seem like, you know, his, uh, you know, his options are, you know, all that, not like, not that they're not big time options, but not like, you know, uh, the country's elite. And uh, that's uh, Jere uh, Hawkins out of IMG Academy, yeah. David. I know we both yeah. like him a lot. I mean, the school's list, list, yeah, the fast, fast. I mean, he posted a, uh, you know, he's a four 500 meter kid. I think he tweeted out that he ran a 10, I mean, he's a, he's a 10, 10, 400 meter kid. And I think he posted here uh, that he ran a 10, he ran in the 10, three range during uh, some Texas relays with IMG Academy. So just absolute burner out of the slot, five foot, 965 pounds. Uh, the programs listed as warm on his profile, Florida, who's a you know major player, Louisville, Miami, Penn state, West Virginia. So it's not like Georgia's the Alabama's, you know, those big time, you know, 
those big time programs. Yeah. yeah, at this stage He'll are coming up. after him. Yeah, but I, you know, Miami really, really, really likes yeah. him. So I think he's someone that's uh, that def- that fits into that category. Would you put? Does Miami still like Juan Benaya? Yeah, Juan Benaya, I think is I think is definitely probably in there too. I think he's someone that they identified early. And, uh, you know, got him on campus, all that stuff. I think Juan Manaya is definitely someone who fits into that category as well. All right. So we will get out of here on that. Appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, we will be back out at spring practice number 10, I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, uh, on Tuesday. And we will provide a little quick instant reaction podcast following that session. So appreciate everyone for listening. Thank you so much for your support means so much to us support of our sponsors also means the world to us until next time take care the wait is over the shy returns with new episodes on paramount plus what brings you to the shy opportunity A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.